Hi everyone, this is Waylena, and I'm here to talk about free and open source software for planetarium content production and other immersive environments. Welcome to FOSDOME. I want everyone to know that show notes can be found on my blog, FOSDOME.com. I'll make sure to leave links for any software or tutorials mentioned in the episode. And if you like the episode and you want to hear more like this, make sure to subscribe and rate it in your podcast listening software of choice. Today is Tuesday, June 8th, and this is episode 13, Open Source Information Focus on Books. So what have I been up to lately? Well, I'm a few days late with this episode, but hopefully I'm sounding better than ever. I needed a new microphone, so I ended up getting a different style, and I have it set up now in the spare bedroom I use for sewing mostly, and uh, it means I'm using one of the laptops instead of the uh, desktop machines, but it's easier to make this room a bit quieter. The computer room downstairs has several machines running and the TV in the next room. I should probably go with a different time of day, though, since there is a lot of traffic on my street. But overall, I'm really liking the sound quality here uh, much better. I'm using a uh, Windows laptop right now, but I do want to get this working with my Linux laptop if I can. Yeah, I know, Linux and audio, not the easiest combination. Um, Driving back from Ohio, I tried a bunch of different podcasts that I hadn't listened to before, and one of them was, uh, well, is, called The Changelog. The episode that caught my attention was Open Source Goes to Mars, And I had a chuckle over a comment about how we all know how fun it is to get cameras and audio rolling on Linux at times. Now, it was super cool to hear about all the different uh, open source stuff used in the Perseverance mission, and especially with uh, the uh, Ingenuity helicopter. And uh, I'll put a link to that podcast episode in the show notes. But uh, I had a big chuckle over that, and it's 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 true that uh, my experience with Linux audio has not always been a healthy one, shall we say? Uh, it 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 can get it can get kind of frustrating sometimes, especially given that I'm using hardware that was made specifically for Windows. Now that said, it's so much easier than in the old, 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 old days, you know, 20 years ago when I was trying to get uh, Linux working with uh, dial-up modems that were meant for Windows. Yeah, Win modems. You may may have heard of those at some point. Uh, yeah, not not fun in those days, but, um, but we got through it, and I'm going to try to get that uh, working with the Linux laptop because I'm just determined to do so. So yes, that uh, episode was, uh, that was, the the podcast was called The Changelog, and the episode was called Open Source Goes to Mars. Anyway, I'm liking the sound better so far uh, on this setup, and part of that probably is the room, because uh, my sewing room, it's not really a sewing room, it was supposed to be a library room, but 
ended up with my sewing stuff and um, most of my mom's sewing stuff. So I'm surrounded by fabric and needlework stuff. So there's yarn and fabric and yarn. So it's a bit of a better sound space to begin with, I suppose. Um, so back to what I've been up to lately. Now my planetarium is still closed to public and groups from outside the college. But um, I've returned from my vacation, uh, my vacation time, uh, helping a family there in Ohio and just uh, hanging out and enjoying time with my dad. Um, so I've returned to start rebuilding toward eventual reopening. I've got a huge to-do list of things to fix, some of which were screwed up before the lockdowns started. Um, I should mention that, you know, these past few years have been really rough on my family and much of that had nothing to do with the lockdowns. The lockdowns and other restrictions just made things more difficult and more drawn out in trying to uh, deal with them and sort things through. So today involved me following the short to-do list I made for myself while, um, that I made for myself before the trip, uh, while getting my bearings and making a larger to-do list. Now I find that if I go away and I don't leave myself a post-it note with a couple of things to jump on, that it takes me longer to figure out um, that larger to-do list once I sit down. Now it's going to be strange managing my own time in the same way again. In the job I had been doing, I was on a team and needed to be constantly available. One of the great things, however, about that team was how encouraging everyone was of my efforts to go walking during my lunch hour. Um, so I'll be honest, my health has been far from optimal these past few years. I mean, there's been so much stress, um, but sure, some things come along that are genetic or part of aging, but you know, they wouldn't be such a problem if it weren't for my poor habits of diet, exercise, and handling of all that stress. So when I returned from my March Ohio trip, the one where I started this podcast, I started walking 15 to 20 minutes over my lunch on any day I could get outside. Now there's lots of spaces to walk indoors at the college, but outside and far from the buildings um, was just, I could get a better walk in, you know, without wearing a mask because we still had those uh, restrictions uh, for at, at the time, really until quite recently. So it got then to where I was walking about 40 minutes every day and everyone on the team was just so encouraging of that. So I also started riding after work. No, not horses. No, not motorcycles. I'm not that exciting. I got an adult tricycle last summer. Now, I did get to ride it in the fall and I loved it, but then things happened. I just didn't have time and I wasn't here enough. But this spring, I was able to get going a lot stronger when I got a more uh, comfortable saddle for it. And I've noticed that my strength and endurance have been slowly improving. I know, what does this have to do with my podcast? Well, that's all, that's all right. We're getting there. We're getting there. So I've been consistently walking and riding and uh, for changing my diet, I started, um, I started drinking a glass of whole milk every morning and found that it kept me full enough to not eat junk food all morning. And I started initially because I don't like 2% milk and I needed something to take with uh, vitamins and medication, you know, so my stomach wasn't going all, ah. 
while at the same time, I started growing microgreens. Now, I found a lot of information online about growing microgreens, although it was mostly people growing them for, um, like for, for selling them, you know, an entrepreneurial kind of thing. I just wanted to sort of explore them as something to have in my own diet. So I found that I like the broccoli microgreens and the pea shoots best so far. Uh, in fact, I find myself eating a lot of pea shoots. Uh, we also started buying me carrots and I chopped them up every morning to take with me. So the microgreens, um, let's see, the microgreens, the carrots, so all this vegetable stuff, right? It uh, also sort of branched into sprouting and turns out I really like mung bean sprouts a lot. So all of this, um, this healthy eating has been making a huge difference. Uh, funny thing is, I am not big on salads, but I will happily munch on the components separately. And so far, I'm down over 30 pounds since uh, since that was uh, mid to late March. I've got another 40 or 50 to go, but I'm pleased so far. Now, I'm still not dealing so well with the stress, but the exercise and diet components are certainly moving me in the right direction. Now, a great deal of what I learned for sprouting and growing microgreens I found in blogs and videos. I absolutely love learning new things, and these are topics that can easily be um, practiced without too much rigorous study. But sometimes I like to take the deep dive too. And uh, that's led me to finding some books out there on uh, topics like permaculture and stuff. Because that's how I usually learn things is through books. So that brings me to the topic, open source information focus on books. Now I have a lot of informational books on all kinds of topics, textbooks, um, oh, and, and some fiction books too. I have too many books. Yes, there is such a thing as too many books. Uh, I think when we eventually get to move to our next house, many of the books will not move with us. Um, we we do get we do donate uh, when we can and uh, we'll have to recycle some at some point now over the past six to eight years i've switched to digital books for most fiction and for introductory how-to books now if a subject is something i'm going to want to refer to then i will always make room for useful reference books but my world has too much clutter in it i need to cut back so for learning new things as a beginner, I'm sticking with digital when I can. Yes, I've acquired a lot of gardening, sewing, and needlecraft books over the past year or so, but, but that's from my mom's collection. Um, she had given me a bunch of them when I showed some interest, um, and then since we lost her last year, I've been bringing them home with me after my visits. You know, I say I'm sticking with digital when I can, yet if I get into a topic and find that I'm enjoying it enough to pursue further, then I do like to get print versions, but I try to limit it now to things that won't be entirely obsolete in a year. Yes, I'm looking at you 20-year-old Red Hat Linux books that I really need to recycle because they're not going to do anyone any good at this point. So this whole thing got me thinking about... 
free and open source information, especially books. Now, my first big introduction to open source books was um, the book called Learning with Python, How to Think Like a Computer Scientist by Alan Downey. I liked it so much that I did purchase a print copy and worked my way through it learning Python 2.0. And I'll put a link to that, but you're probably not going to want to learn Python 2.0. So I'll include the link to that as a courtesy, right? Um, I ended up not exercising that particular muscle too much because what I was learning Python for wasn't working out all that well. Um, but then a bit later, I needed to pick it up again, but with Python 3. And this was, um, at this point now, I was using Python with Blender. The lessons of that other book were still pretty good, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't using it because one of our cats had peed on it and it became unpleasant to use. So I moved on to a, a different book called Python for Everybody, Exploring Data in Python 3 by Chuck Severance. And I'll definitely include a link for that too. Now, Chuck Severance has uh, incredible online open source Python learning tools. I took one of his classes through Coursera and I have uh, followed more directly through his website and uh, via YouTube and social media. And his book, the one I just mentioned, Python for Everybody, is based very heavily on the Alan Downey book. So no wonder I found it incredibly useful and readable, right? So uh, let's see, um, forward then to 2018, I started learning JavaScript. And now that I'm back to my planetarium job after um, over a year away from it, I'll have to relearn what I lost over that past year or so. My favorite general JavaScript book is an open source book called Eloquent JavaScript. Definitely putting the direct link in uh, the notes for that. Eloquent JavaScript. Now, um, there had been a lot of, and they're still out there, open source, uh, say open books on um, teaching how to use uh, Blender and GIMP and Inkscape, but they're all very out of date. I searched and did not find anything um, more recent out there. Um, if I do, I'll certainly make sure to, to mention, them, mention them. And if you hear of any, drop me a line, let me know, and then I will include that as well. So open textbooks, they're a, a subset of um, what's now being called open education resources, OER. You see it everywhere now. Some users would describe any free-to-use materials as being OER, and others can get pretty specific in referring to materials that aren't just free to use, but are free to adapt and change for any purpose. We're talking everything here from text, diagrams, videos, and software to entire courses that have open license structures. And if you think about all the materials that are involved in there, um, some areas might have, uh, you know, where copyrights would apply. Some would use other types of licensing. So you might need combinations of Creative Commons and GPL or MIT licenses. So 
that's the sort of thing we're talking about is all these different materials. Now, some such materials do have restrictions in how they are used and or uh, require users to report their usage for the uh, creators to be able to track who is using the materials. It, it varies, really, and anyone using such resources for formal or informal teaching needs to be sure of any licenses that are involved. But when I'm using these materials, I'm using them for my own personal development, so um, nothing that I'm listing here would be off-limits for that sort of learning. So here's a few sites that have a handful to a lot of uh, open textbooks on all kinds of different subjects. And I don't have a particular order in here. I think I saved my favorite for a last or next to last or something, but um, I'll just go ahead and rattle them off. Uh, MIT OpenCourseWare. So um, I'll put the link in, uh, but it's MIT OpenCourseWare. So about 15 years ago, I remember watching some course videos from uh, MIT OpenCourseWare, and I found that the accompanying readings, whenever they were provided, helped a lot. Well, I mean, of course they help. If you're taking the class, especially, you're supposed to do the readings, right? But I mean, I was just looking for single chapters of topics to refresh some math or to steer me in another learning direction for something new that I was learning about. In any case, I found the site worthy of bookmarking and I've found that it is still worthy of bookmarking. So I'm definitely sharing that. Uh, next up, OpenStax. That's OpenStax, where it's S-T-A-X. And uh, that's from Rice University. And I had I had them in my old bookmarks, but it was a, under a different name. Um, in fact, it's been through several different names before it's evolved into what it currently is. Um, it used to be kind of like the OpenCourseWare from MIT and some of the other OpenCourseWare sites that were out there, but the materials had more permissive licenses. Now, those old bookmarks, as I said, are gone, but that's okay because the offerings are available through a much more user-accessible framework now. And definitely putting that link in there. So that's OpenStax. Um, here's one where it uh, I hadn't looked them up in a long time and it changed <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but there is a book that I've been going through lately that is from this collection. And this, uh, the site is Milne Open Textbooks. I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing that right, but it used to be S-U-N-Y Open Textbooks or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of open textbooks on this site, including one of my favorites, which is called The Missing Link, An Introduction to Web Development and Programming. And like Eloquent JavaScript, it's very readable. So I'm, I'm able to make sense of things very easily when I read it uh, in that book. So I'll definitely have the link to Milne Open Textbooks and the link directly to that book. Uh, next up is one that looks like it's there's plenty of links on it, but it's kind of hit and miss uh, as far as what you're going to get to. And this is from the American Institute of Mathematics. It's their list of approved math textbooks. I know, math? What? Okay, so yeah, there's there's a lot of math uh, textbooks out there that are free or and or open and free. There's uh, one book that I found interesting in their collection 
that was interesting enough that I'm putting it in the notes as well. And it's a book on games and puzzles, um, the art of mathematics, games and puzzles. So that's uh, from a collection that is linked off of the American Institute of Mathematics. Next up, uh, Green Tea Press. And these are computer books from Alan Downey, including a more updated ThinkPython book. I should say an, up, an updated Python book called Think Python that's um, an updated version of that much earlier one. You know, the one that my cat peed on. Yeah. So uh, definitely check it out because he's got more than just Python. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, another site. This may interest you. Uh, it's called OER Commons, OERcommons.org. If I were teaching or say homeschooling or something, I would jump all over this one because you can search by subjects, by levels, by uh, standards. Uh, it's it's way more than what I what I need. I should say I usually find something close to what I'm looking for in one of the other sites, so I don't have to dig that far into it. But it might be of interest to you if you're teaching or developing a curriculum for a particular uh, age groups or trying to tie into certain standards. Um, so the favorite uh, on the list, Open Textbooks Library. And uh, this is from, uh, I think, is it, uh, is it University of Minnesota? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, but it's becoming one of my go-to sites for sure. It's very easy to use in search. And it's where I found a very interesting book on permaculture, an open textbook from Oregon State University uh, that was used in their online class. And I'll definitely put a link to the book directly in there as well. Introduction of Permaculture is the title of the book. Now, I'm going to go ahead and mention that apart from textbooks, I do enjoy fiction books. And if you haven't checked it out lately, go ahead and check out Project Gutenberg for free ebooks. Now, these aren't open source, so they're public domain, mostly public domain or otherwise free. And uh, there's a lot of free speech preserved through this project. So some of the books, you know, might make you uncomfortable to see them there, but you don't need to read them if that's the case. But I certainly um, do support that project. And uh, again, that's Project Gutenberg. Do check it out. And that does it for this week's show, my friends. It has been fun. We should do this again next week or even sooner. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be late. It uh, took me a while to get the new microphone stuff set up. So um, I'm pleased with the results, though. Uh, so, yes, it's been fun. We should do this again next week. Be sure to check out the show notes on my blog, fossdome.com. Till next time, be well. Be creative, be free, be fast.